And you, no matter how difficult it is, never give up because you are capable of so much more than you ever thought possible. Welcome to the Betrayal Recovery Transformation Podcast, your place to reclaim your life after betrayal. My name is Jen Howie. Welcome friends. My name is Chris Rocha. Jen and I are pastoral sex addiction professionals and coaching experts with over 20 years combined experience. We're so glad you're here with us for today's podcast. Today, our guest is Dr. Steve Stevens. Dr. Steve has been a psychologist for over 35 years. He's a life coach. He's a speaker, university teacher, husband, father of three adult children, and the author, hang on friends, listen to this fact, the author of 45 books in 17 different languages. Wow. That's amazing. The Dr. Steve Stevens. So Dr. Steve's newest book is called A World Away From Home, and it's a historical fiction novel based on the true story and poetic writings of his very tenacious and very resilient great-grandmother. Hello, Dr. Steve. Welcome to our podcast. We're so glad that you're here, and we're eager to learn from you and your grandmother. It's my privilege because we live in a culture that has beaten up so many people. So many people are ready to give up, and especially females in our culture who have just felt like there's no hope. And the reality is we're here to say there is amazing hope out there, and you can be everything that you ever dreamed to be. Mm, All right. I already already like you. (laughs) (laughs) Love all the love. All right, Dr. Steve, thank you so much for being here. And we are excited to get to know you a little bit before we get going on today's topic, which is resiliency. So would you help our listeners get to know you a little bit better and tell us about yourself? You know what? I have been a psychologist for, again, 35 years. I've loved it. It's been fantastic because in my heart, even as a teenager, I had a heart to how to encourage and help other people. In fact, at 17 years old, I went on the staff of Youth for Christ and was working with teenagers at 17, which was kind of bizarre when I think back on it. But the bottom line is somewhere in my upbringing, in my faith, I just developed an optimism an optimism in saying, how can I encourage people? I love doing it. It is just something that brings me so much joy. And we live in a world that has lost its ability to encourage each other. Mm -hmm. So I've got a great wife. I've got three great kids. The three kids are each married to fantastic people. And so I'm in the midst of it and I love it. (laughs) And you've got some grandchildren too, I hear. I have three grandchildren that are the nine-year-olds a miracle having been born at 22 weeks. Wow. Wow. And nobody expected it, obviously. Um, I was in Seattle. I jumped in my car. I was driving down, walked in. My dear daughter, Brittany, said, Dad, do not Google 22 weeks. Mm-hmm. And I said, 
Sorry, Britt. I've already Googled it. I know the odds. The odds were horrible. But my daughter, at the point of the doctor saying, let's just have this baby, put it to the side and let go of it. My daughter said, no, you know what? This is God's choice, not mine. If the baby survives, the baby survives. And right now, Sullivan, at nine years old, just won an award for the top academic in his school. Wow. wow. Congratulations, <laughs> Sullivan. And what a great story. So oh that that's just amazing. And so I've seen God do miracles over and over again in my own personal life, in the people I work with. So no matter how dark it seems, we can learn from the darkness, we can grow from the darkness, and we can overcome the darkness. Amen. That is so good. You know, there's so many of us that have had to have quite a bit of resilience when it comes to recovering from betrayal. Um, and myself, as well as so many others really get tired of having to be resilient. <laughs> yes. Um, and, you know, like with the story with Sullivan, clearly, well, not clearly, I'll actually let you speak to it. But it seems like that perhaps some people, more people are born with resilience, some are born with resilience than more than others. So explain to us exactly what, what is resilience? Because I often seem to be at odds with it. So I'd like to know a little bit more about what it is. And are some people born with more than others? Well, Jen, you've asked about three questions. There, I know. So let me break it apart, which <laughs> okay. is good. Good. First of all, let's deal with the genetic aspects of it. There are people that are born with it, but yet in, and in, environmentally that can either build resilience or undermine it but ultimately when we look at nurture versus nature i like to look at a third aspect and that's navigation i can choose what's going to happen now it's hard if you have got a genetic predisposition that isn't resilient resilient it's a lot harder mm. but yet you can make that choice of saying I am going to move forward. I, I can do this. Resilience is really that ability to say, um, I am going to not let this destroy me. I think there's an aspect of life that when difficulties happen, uh, as I look at it, I move into, you can move into either denial, this isn't happening, which just causes you to delay the inevitable depersonalization, I'm going to numb myself out with alcohol, drugs, sex, whatever it is, which simply makes your situation worse. You can let it destroy you and saying, I give up. Or you can say, I, with God's help and with a community of people around me, I can learn from this and this can make me a better person. And I think that's the challenge. Now, I love little systems. So when I, when I heard that I was going to talk about resilience, I created a brand new system. It's called Solid Go. Okay? We all need to have a solid go. And that is the S stands for self-care. And we could spend a whole podcast on self-care. The O is optimism. 
The research says that we need to overcome a victim mentality and develop an attitude of optimism. The L is learning. What have I learned from this difficulty? The I is what's my identity in the midst of it. And with identity, your identity isn't a victim. Your identity isn't a broken person. That might be part of it. Another system I've created is called GPS. You have gifts, you have passions, you have strengths. And that's your identity. We're defined by what our positives are, not our negatives. The D in solid is dreams. How do we have a future focus and not spin around the pain? And then the go is I'm gonna have gratitude, even gratitude for the pain and hurt and anger and horrible things that have happened to me because they can allow me to go to the O, which is offer my learning to other people and help them overcome it. So a long answer to a short question. I just feel like we could stop the podcast right here. I know, my drop. <laughs> I, but I'm so glad we're not stopping. <laughs> Doc, could you, for our listeners and for us, because we're both furiously taking notes, could you go over just real quick what the, the acronym is again for Solid Go? You know, Solid Go, the S is self-care. And so oftentimes we forget that. We stop taking care of ourselves because we move into survival mode. We stop getting the sleep we need. We stop being exercise. You know, we stop exercising. We stop eating healthy. We stop doing those things that we know we need to do. Optimism is the O. We are not victims in this midst of it. We have had horrible things happen that were wrong, that were unfair, that are tragic, but we have a God that can help us through the most difficult situations. And in the world away from home, part of what I try to do in that book, because my great-grandmother did such an amazing job as saying, no matter what happens, I am going to turn my pain into poetry. I am going to start writing. And therefore, as she was going through horrible struggles in North Dakota and in a small town in Oregon, she was poet laureate of Iceland where the children were memorizing her poems while she was just holding on to survive. And that optimism of saying, I can do it. And the L is the learning, the lessons we've come, you know, that we've come to, that we've learned through the midst of it. The, um, and one study that was fascinating that happened about 10 years ago said that we need to tell our stories to our children, our grandchildren, because the highest in this research, the highest uh, point of overcoming um, trauma was knowing that we had people in our family of origin or in our community that had already overcome this. The identity is in solid. The I is identity, which is when we feel beat up, broken, overwhelmed, we start 
creating negative identities for ourselves. I'm worthless. Um, I, I'm I'm a terrible person. I somehow deserve this. I can't make good choices. Instead of saying no. I am a child of God. I am made in the image of God. And this is where I go to my GPS system. You have gifts. You have passions. You have strengths. Those are what is going to define you, not your failures. We all have failures. The D is dreams because when we move into survival mode, we stop dreaming. We get wrapped up in either our past which is all the mistakes we've made, all the bad things that have happened to us, or our present, which might be horrible. The depressive triad says, I don't like who I am. I don't like where I'm at. And things are never going to get better. It's interesting psychologically, if we can break one of those three points of the triad by saying, um, I do like who I am, or my situation is going to be redemptive, or there's future. Any one of those threes, we don't even need to fix all three of them. Just one of the three breaks us out of the depressive triad and allows us to develop dreams. The go, so that's solid. The go is gratitude, is getting to the point of saying, what do I have to do to be grateful for? I was chatting with a lady the other day, going through a horrible set of trauma, and um, she's giving up. And I said, what do you have to be grateful for? And she said, I have got the most amazing daughter in the world. She loves me. She's committed to me. She, she is just amazing. And I said, okay, right now, stop thinking of your pain. Stop thinking of all this other thing. I want you to focus on that you have this amazing daughter. And suddenly the smile comes over her face. The, this hope, I, her eyes started twinkling and she goes, you're right. My daughter is incredible. And then the O is how do we um, offer up what we have learned through our trauma? God does not waste any experience. We have gone through this experience and how do we capture it and package it in such a way that we can um, hand it over to, to someone else in an amazing way. Um, I was just, um, you know, I always like little systems that, that help me um, just kind of remember things. And one of the issues is um, that I found is a notion called the three R's. What they say is reflect on what you've done, what's happened, reframe what has happened into such something positive. And then after you've reflected on it, you've reframed, reach out to other people with everything you've learned. So I like those three R's, reflect, reframe, and reach out. Love it. Thank you for that amazing recap. I was furiously taking notes and I'll be sure listeners, if you're driving in the car and couldn't write that down, look in the show notes when you get home, all of this information will be there. So Dr. Steve, so, thank so, you. Oh, so, so Chris, 
Am I, I'm kind of sounding like a professor, aren't I? <laughs> you are a little bit. I wonder if that comes from all the years that you spent teaching at Multnomah School of the Bible and George and, Fox. And George Fox, you know, yeah. it just comes out. But I love learning. I'm curious about everything. And what I found is we live in a world where there are pathways through the most difficult situations, but we've got to have a framework to to move us forward. Otherwise, we just spin out. Absolutely. Mm. Oh, and he just dropped his pen, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> like a mic drop. <laughs> mic drop right there. Doctor, thank you. That was so, uh, so encouraging. I just love your, your enthusiasm and your joy. Um, and you know, between, between us and our listeners, little known secret, Dr. Steve, if you're familiar with the Enneagram is an Enneagram eight with a wing seven. So he brings the, all the knowledge and the, and the solid help with the fun. And I love that. <laughs> so my next question for you, Dr. Steve is how can a person go about building resilience? You know, first of all, it's recognizing that you can do it and we need community. Mm -hmm. The challenge is trying to do anything all by itself can be overwhelming. Just the other day, I was looking at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And um, that's really a statement of, of how do we connect? In fact, the Surgeon General last May put out a, um, a concern about an epidemic of disconnection. And when we get disconnected, we tend to get anxious and depressed. But in a community, then we can start growing. We can embrace growth. So if you look at that passage, again, I love that passage in Hebrews 10. It really has four points to it. First point is consider other people. When we get overwhelmed, when we are hurting, we tend to look inward. But considering other people. The second thing that it says is stimulate each other to love and good works. The challenge there is to say, I, instead of being absorbed with my pain, how can I love other people? And how can I be a model of positivity? The third thing that it says there is, do not discourage the gathering together. When we are overwhelmed, when we are feeling broken, there's a shame that gets us and we don't wanna be around people. We wanna isolate. We feel like, oh no, they're going to see what a horrible person that we are, or we are going to just ruin their positivity, but we need to connect in a community. Why can we do that is even when we're broken, we can encourage one another. And that's how that passage ends. How can I encourage the people around me? I know that I'm supposed to say like the next question, but I'm so enthralled with all my note taking. <laughs> That's a good problem to have. <laughs> you know what? And we don't have to have an agenda. We can go that wherever so the spirit leads you. I this love is just this is just a structure, but you know what? Oftentimes deviating from the structure is what the Lord wants us to do. Yeah. Oh, I love that so much. So considering, you know, the audience that we have, um, the people who are listening have have often been through trauma, specifically betrayal trauma. How does, how does trauma actually affect 
our resilience? What trauma does, it's sort of like, um, it, it feeds, trauma feeds our, our frustration. There's something about trauma that causes us to move into negative thinking. And then we get locked in it. It really, trauma takes away hope, but mm -hmm. a community gives the hope back. With God, you know, I, I love the passage that, that really talks about all things work together for good. Now, I think that's terribly misused because how in the world, we have got things in our lives that we say, how in the world can this work together for good? Because that negativity, it, you know, trauma brings a darkness. It almost like it shrinks our world because hurt moves us into self-protection. It also moves us into saying, uh-oh, if it happened once, when is it going to happen again? And so now we move into a hypervigilant stage where we're constantly waiting for the next trauma to hit us and us to fall flat on our face. In James chapter one and two, it talks about stumbling. It says all people stumble, but in the midst of the stumbling, there is hope. In fact, James chapter one says, welcome trauma. I'm going to use a different word. It says trials and tribulations, but we could translate that Greek word as trauma. Now, who in their right mind would <laughs> welcome trauma. I mean, that's that's crazy. I think what what James is trying to say there is we don't need to be controlled by it. We can take that. And if you look at the first 12 verses of James chapter one, it talks about things like it builds resiliency. The word perseverance or persistence is really resiliency. Trauma builds resiliency, it builds wisdom, it builds maturity, it builds pray prayerfulness, it builds perspective, and ultimately, when all is said and done, and we have walked through this horrible, difficult thing, there will be a reward in heaven for that. And so sometimes we we've, we've got to focus and say right now it is hard and difficult, but as I walk through this, there will be a point in time when Jesus is going to put his arms around you and say I am so sorry for what's happened, but you know what? You've made it. Hmm. And the pain is over. Amen. And I am proud of you. And you didn't do everything right. And you fell flat on your face periodically. But you know what? I never for one second forgot you. You might have felt alone. You might have felt judged. You might have felt, felt like you weren't enough. But you know what? I always believed in you, no matter what. Beautiful. Thank you. Wow. Uh, well done. Good and faithful servant is what comes to mind. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, my next question for you was going to be, how can we go from trauma to growth? But I feel like you touched on that quite a bit already, even with your acronym of solid go. So are there any other thoughts you have on this topic of how do we, how do we move from trauma into a growth mindset? You know, and 
naturally, we, you know, the whole notion of PTSD that we're really struggling with in our culture. And then as we even in the last couple of years, as the research has come up on complex PTSD, in no way do I want to minimize the trauma, the pain, um, all the difficulties that have been there. But the issue is I, I get concerned when we talk about somebody being trapped in PTSD or having PTSD, because that's true. But we, we've got to recognize we can turn that around. The more we focus on the trauma of what's happened, the more we tend to think we are trapped in a cycle instead of saying, what am I going to do to turn this around? Uh, you know, a, a girl came to me 20 years ago and she was about 25 and she said, I'm here because I want to go on a date. I've never been on a date. And, I, and we talked about it and she said, I just don't feel comfortable. I've not been interested. So I saw the symptoms of PTSD, but she was not going to go there. Um, I saw her the second time and she broke down crying and she told me the story about a neighbor boy who had sexually abused her for 10 years. Wow. And, um, and we grieved over that and we cried about that and how this person had taken away her trust. But you know, what was amazing to me is this girl then when I saw her the next time, she goes, I confronted it. I said, well, what do you mean? She goes, I drove two hours to the house where I lived. And I sat outside that house. And I looked across at the house of the boy that had abused me. And I went to the park where the boy took me and abused me. And I, and I gave it away to God. Now, for some people, they can do that in one situation. With her, she was able to do it in one situation, which is miraculous. Many people, it takes a year or two years or five years. But what she then did is she goes, I was so angry. I cried like I never had because she'd been in denial about it. She faced it. And then what she did is she said, I'm quitting my job. And she had a... For a 25-year-old, she had this amazing high-paying job. She goes, I am going to go across the country to this camp where they work with abused girls, and I am going to volunteer my time because I want to take what I did and walk alongside other girls with this. She got paid basically nothing. She did that for five years, and then... She got an offer from a particular state that to protect confidentiality, we aren't going to go into, where she was put in charge of a rehab um, um, encouraging system where any woman that had been abused could go to, and she created programs for them. And for the last 
15 years. She has been there standing alongside of women that have given up hope. She took what she did and she moved it into growth. Mm -hmm. God is going to use what happened to you. It was horrible. It was terrible. It was unfair. It wasn't right. But God is going to turn that into something amazing. If you grit your teeth, Take up the courage and it takes courage. This is not easy right? to face it and to say, I am going to help others that have gone through what I have gone through. I am going to be their advocate. I am going to be their encourager. I am going to believe that they can do amazing things. Mm. And that's what women need in this situation is that sort of advocate. And that is what, Jan, you and Chris are there to do. And that's how God is using you guys. And I just thank you guys for this. Oh, I love that so much. Thanks, Doc. As some of our listeners may know, if they've listened to episode two, part of my story is um, my first husband um, going to prison. It was very, very public. And as a result, my kids lost their dad very in a public and disgraceful way. And I'm thinking about this issue of resilience. And at that point in time, I did not have Dr. Steve in my life. <laughs> I wish I had. Um, right. So for those of you who are maybe going through divorce or some sort of loss um, and, and you're single parenting now, um, let's just say perhaps you're not even single parenting. Let's just say you're an adult woman with adult children. We still have influence on our children. So Dr. Steve, could you, could you share with the listeners, how do we foster resilience in our children, whether they be young, like my kids were seven and 10 or old, like they are now, you know, where they're in their late twenties. Um, how do we do that? How do we foster resilience in our, in our children? You know, it starts with building that relationship because when we are in pain and there's no judgment here, this is what happens when we're in pain, we frequently don't see what our kids are doing. We love our kids. We would do anything for them, but the pain is so great that we can't get our eyes off the pain. And what it is, it's saying, I am going to build this relationship. I am going to do fun things. Do you feel like it? Absolutely not. I mean, you love them, but you don't have the energy. You, you, you're over, too overwhelmed, but say, I am going to spend time with my kids. I am going to find out what they need. I am going to know that I am the trustworthy person in their life. And it's really showing that love. And to do that, quite honestly, you have got to have a place to vent because inadvertently, we might vent to a friend who is right there and our kids here. First of all, we've got to realize kids know that we're struggling. You can't hide it from them. And they know a whole lot more about what's going on than we think they do. And so therefore giving them an opportunity to talk about it. This is what amazes me. I'll have kids come in and they'll start talking to me about the pain. I say, have you talked to mom about this? And mom loves them. And they'll say, it would be too hard for mom to hear this. 
kids at four and five and six and seven are protecting mom because they love you because you are their rock. You might not feel like their rock. You might feel like you can't be your own rock. You can't be anybody's rock, but you are their rock. So being able to say, I've got to take care of myself. I've got to do what I need to do. And the other thing I would encourage you is you've got to bring your support system into your family. Now, if you happen to have parents or grandparents that can do that, that is amazing. Some, some don't. I know that my parents, when they moved from Southern Oregon up to Portland, and they knew that grandparents were important, but my grandparents weren't in a position that they could be there. The first thing they did when they found a church in Portland is they found um, surrogate grandparents for us, mom and pop Gotchel. They said, mom and pop Gotchel, will you be the grandparents to our kids? And mom and pop Gotchel were there for every birthday. They took us out to um, parks. They, um, they did things, you know, for as young as I remember until they were at my high school graduation there, you know, and it's finding other people that come alongside you. You cannot do it your, by yourself. Mm -hmm. And so taking care of yourself, building that relationship, having fun, realize you're not going to feel like having fun, but your kids need to have fun. Mm -hmm. Oh, and building up hope in them. And, um, I like something that Jen says a lot is, you know, this situation is a part of my life, not my whole life. This person is a part of my joy, not my whole joy. And even the traumas and trials that we go through. Um, I like to say, we, to, I need to remember that this is a chapter, not a life sentence. And, you that know, and this that's, Excuse me for talking over you. That's okay. Go right that. ahead. <laughs> well, just that, um, that the traumas that we go through, even like as we're rebuilding or helping to build resilience in our children, that uh, reminding them that this is a part of what's going on in our lives, but it's not our whole lives. And I liked, uh, let's see, in solid go. So go is gratitude and and having a gratitude journal or remembering that we have trials and hardships as part of our life, but it's not the entirety of it. And remembering to be grateful and gain perspective does help us build resilience. And I, I love that advice with our children. Absolutely true. And when I teach therapists how to deal with PTSD and telling, having their, their patients, their clients tell their story, I say, tell the beginning of the story, then tell the end of the story. You've got to tell the end of the story before you tell the trauma and the climax of the story, which can be so overwhelming. See, oftentimes we try to go chronological, but what happens is even our children, they get stuck in the middle part and they mm -hmm. don't hear the ending. Now, I realize that some of your listeners are still in the very middle of the trauma. So we don't have that ending point yet. But what they can do is go back to other traumas that have happened and say, you know what, this happened when I was 20. This is how it ended. And this is how bad it was in the middle. But you, but you give them the ending point. That's the point that they need to hear second. 
because they need to realize that no matter what happens, you are going to survive. You're not going to die. There is hope in the midst of it. Then a lot of times what we do is we, we all get stuck in the middle at that most painful, scary point when we were sitting there and thought, I want to die. I think I'm going to end it right now. I'm going to, you know, whatever mm -hmm. that is. And that's where our children also get stuck. Hey, I, it was horrible. This is how it started. I got through it. And at the worst point, my thoughts were really scary, but you know what? I got through it. Love that. Yep. So far we have a hundred percent survival rate for all yes. the traumas we've endured. Absolutely. Good news. That's beautiful. Um, Doc, in order, and I'm sorry, I should probably tell our listeners, Dr. Steve is, is our family friend and, and has been our therapist. Um, and so I, I, my pet term for him is doc. So I'm just defaulting to that naturally, but out of respect, Dr. Steve, <laughs> in order to develop resilience, we have to face challenges and suffering. And you and I have talked about Romans 8, 28 before, which says that we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are the called according to his purpose. Um, and so that makes me wonder, you know, how can good come out of something like betrayal trauma? Now we've talked about God, not wasting our pain, but also you and I have talked before about the, the, the notion of good in the United States, you know, where we, we have, we, so many of us have more than what we need and, and our definition of good versus the definition of say someone in a third world country, maybe our, our notion seems to be a little out of sorts here. Can you speak to that a bit? You know, we think of good as being easy or getting all of our needs met. And that's not necessarily true. Good does not have to do with comfort. It has to do with character. Good is you being the best version of yourself. And that doesn't mean that all your pain goes away. In fact, oftentimes we act at our most courageous and heroic when things are the worst. Mm, yeah. But yet we want things so easy. It's interesting. I was just reading a book that had been written in 2019 about um, all the catastrophes in the world. And the book starts off. Remember, it's written 2019. You know, people do not understand the power of pandemic. They have not been in pandemics for 100 years. Pandemics teach you the character. They teach you how to deal with difficulty. But we have gotten so lazy that we don't even understand what it means to develop our character through crisis. And I'm listening to this on my Audible thinking he had no idea what we were about to face. And sadly enough, too many people have allowed the pandemic to shrink their world, to create fear, to create paranoia, to feel insecure, rather than saying, you know what, we just went through a terrible time and we survived and through it we have learned lessons in terms of how people are so much more important than how we ever thought how our character i mean if 
I made huge mistakes in this pandemic. I wished I had immediately gone out to my neighbors, to my community, and figured out how I could have helped them and encouraged them. But what I did is I shrunk my life, at least for a year, and and did, and I sheltered in. I was not allowing the love of God, the the hope to be spread. And I've learned something great. I I should say this as a part of me that says, I, I'm prepped for the next pandemic. I'm going to do the <laughs> next pandemic right. Now, hopefully I won't have to do it, but we learn. See, that's the O in, in solid go. The offering, what I've learned, I was not there for the people that I love at the level that I really wanted to be. I wasn't there when I didn't find out for a year that my neighbor's husband, two houses down, had passed away. Wow. I had no idea. Uh, we, we weren't there. Uh, my wife is the most amazing baker and generosity person. If I would have said, Tammy, let's bake cookies for everybody. She would have been on that just like, I just never, I was too busy protecting myself. I wished we had provided cookies and baked goods for everybody in the neighborhood. See, that's where we, we learn from our difficulties. We, and um, we could have gotten our adult children involved with giving out food, giving out packages, doing things. And that's where we learn from our failures, from our traumas, from our difficulties, because next time we're going to do it better. Wow. That's beautiful. I love the Maya Angelou quote, do the best with what you have. And when you know better, do better. And that's part of resiliency is being able to have grace and space for ourselves as we grow and experience and doing it better as we move forward. So I love to Dr. Steve, how you just reframed what good is that mm -hmm. good comes out of hardship. That good isn't always comfortable. It isn't always fluffy. It isn't always something we want to put on the calendar and, and look forward to, or send invitations for, but good uh, develops is something that develops our character. And that, that is a beautiful reframe. Thank you for that. It is beautiful. I, I, it prompts me to move toward discomfort. Um, with, with this whole conversation, it, it makes me consider that if I'm comfortable, maybe that's not so good. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe moving towards discomfort is is what's going to continue to grow me. Go ahead. You know, Jen, what you're saying is really amazingly insightful because we have been taught our whole life to avoid discomfort. But maybe it's saying, I want to feel comfortable with discomfort yeah. because through that, I can... I can grow in ways that I could never have grown other in any other way. I I love this because this is a conversation that Chris and I have often. Yes, and, we do. <laughs> we're talking to our spouse and um, I, we have learned to be comfortable with somebody else's discomfort. So, so much so that Chris has made it into a sticker and I'm willing to bet that any listener that reaches out, Chris would be more than happy to send out her 
I am comfortable with your discomfort sticker. <laughs> yeah. It says I'm comfortable with you being uncomfortable. Yes. And if anyone wants a free sticker, you just send me a <laughs> private message with your address and I'll get that in the mail to you. That's awesome. And when we're uncomfortable, it means there's an opportunity for growth. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean that the situation is going to be different. It means our perspective, our yeah. reframing of the situation needs to be different because you know what? We live in a screwed up, broken, um, difficult world. And it's easy to say, well, it's worse than it's ever been. You know what? It's always been bad. It's always been broken. Mm. And the dilemma is how am I going to handle that brokenness, turn it into something positive and teach my children how to expect difficulties, mm. but have the resilience to overcome those difficulties and turn it into something golden. This Good is this Lord. <laughs> this, this is amazing. Actually, this is a perfect transition as we wrap up our podcast today. Because of that reality, Dr. Steve, because we live in this broken world, we will often ask our podcast guest to share a word of encouragement with our listeners to close out this podcast. So what would you leave all of us with today? You know what? When things get difficulty, we want to grumble and complain. That's what we all want to do. No matter who we are, we want to grumble and complain. How I don't deserve this. I love what my pastor said just last Sunday. Well, you know what you deserve? You deserve hell. That's what you deserve. And then he <laughs> said, I'm not sure if I should, was supposed to say that at church, but that's what you deserve. But God in his grace is walking beside us. And you, no matter how difficult it is, never give up because you are capable of so much more than you ever thought possible. Mm -hmm. God has dreams for what you can do. And all we need to do is let go of the difficulty. It is terrible. It is horrible. But we tend to overthink and overanalyze all the horrible things in the world. It's there. But God has this bright, shining future for you that still might be hard, but it's where you are giving everything you've got to make impact on this world for the kingdom of God. Amen. That was great. Thank you so much, Dr. Steve. I, I can't wait to have you back. So I'm, I haven't even asked you if you'd be a repeat guest, but <laughs> we're just signing you up for that. So I would uh, love to. Great. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for going along. Um, this has been so rich and I, I personally can't wait to listen to this podcast again. I want to mention your book again. Steve's latest book is a world away from home. It is fiction is uh, historical fiction and it's fantastic. I'm halfway through it already. And I, I can't wait to pick it up again and keep going. You have a sequel coming out. Can you tell us what the name of the sequel is and the release date for that, please? The sequel is further from home. And I just found out yesterday that that will come out not until October 26th. Oh. So it's a little ways away. But again, whether whether you like historical fiction or not, the reason I wrote this is I was amazed by how this lady, in the midst of nothing going her way, 
Every time she thought something was on track, it would be taken away from her. How she refused to give up, how she continued on the pathway, even though things happened. I don't want to tell the story, but it really is that story of resilience and how in the midst of it, her resilience, you know, has impacted. She died in 1940. Here, you know, what is it? Um, 130 years later or whatever. Well, it's not that long. However long it is, I'm terrible on math. <laughs> it, is, it impacted me so much that I wanted to go back and find out what the true story was. You see, she didn't write it. She was just trying to get through her difficulties, but she was truly able to impact um, that community. And now, uh, right now it's being set up a, a lectureship in Reykjavik, Iceland, where they wanna hear her story wow. because of just her resilience. That's what it's all about. And because of your tenacity to painstakingly translate her poetry for so many years, just it's just a whole amazing, amazing group of events that's brought it to this. So, and then the poetry, by the way, is coming out just in time for Christmas. Is that right? That is um, basically, I got the final draft on that and all the poetry, her actual poetry, some of it's in the book, but actually what she wrote during um, her lifetime has all been, I've done the um, first English translation of it out of the Icelandic. It should be coming out um, right around December 1st. Perfect. Thanks, Dr. Steve, so much for being here. Thank you, thank Dr. You. Steve. Yes, thank you so much. And and thank you, listener, for tuning in and, and being a part of our podcast community. Your support's valuable and we're here to serve you. And remember that healing it's a journey. It's not a destination. And as we navigate the path of recovering and transforming together, know that you are never alone. Stay strong, stay hopeful, and keep working toward your brighter, empowered future. Until next time, take care and keep embracing your journey of healing.